Hello, folks. This is Nathan from Utility Muffin Labs. Thanks for taking the time to listen to our podcasts, Nerd Words, and 25 Years of Vampire the Masquerade. I wanted to take a couple of seconds to let you know about some of the ways we are trying to fund our podcasts. First, we have a GoFundMe so that we can replace our broken down old computer. Check it out at www.gofundme.com forward slash help dash keep dash the dash labs dash running. Or click the link on any of our recent podcasts on utilitymuffinlabs.com. Speaking of our website, you'll notice that we've added some Amazon and drive-thru RPG banners to our site. In addition, our newest VTM25 posts will have links to purchase the books that we talk about. Using those banners and links to buy those books helps us tremendously. Give them a click and help us earn a little bit. Lastly, we've recently set up a Patreon page. We've got a few rewards for our patrons so far, and we plan to bring more as time goes on. Visit our website for the link or go directly to patreon.com forward slash 25 years of Vampire the Masquerade. Thank you for your continued support, and let's get to the show. Welcome to 25 Years of Vampire the Masquerade, a retrospective, presented to you by UtilityMuffinLabs.com. Welcome once again, folks, to another episode of 25 Years of Vampire the Masquerade, a retrospective. I'm Nathan. And I'm Nate's alter ego in his mind, schizophrenic Nate has. I'm Bob. Yeah, sometimes I wonder that. Uh, I, I have this weird thing, uh, not to derail too far, uh-huh. but real quick, my voice is like a low frequency, right? So when I'm at work or when I'm around large groups of people, I have this thing where I'll talk and no one even acknowledges that I've said words and I go in my head like, am I real? Do I exist? <laughs> <laughs> like so- when you have to walk up to someone, now it's a blessing and a curse. What that means is, while people don't hear me when I have important things to say, they also tend not to hear me when I'm talking shit about them right next to them. Well, I did the other thing. I was like, I'm, I'm mixed. Mm-hmm. You know, I'm half black, half white. We'll just keep it simple. No need to get in genetics here. But I was like, what if I, well, I have a personality that has extreme white guilt, <laughs> right? And it just, just developed this persona. Who's in, like, I don't have any tattoos, but I would love to have tattoos. You have a lot of tattoos, mm-hmm. right? I'm into death metal now and hard rock stuff and... And the whole, ever since I met you, man, the whole metric of music has been open to me and I've just, it's been paying dividends, right? Right. I, I like it, but you know me, I don't often listen to music, but right. when I do, it's gotta be quality. But then I find myself going, what if in my mind, Nate leaves and it's because I don't feel guilty right now, <laughs> but when he comes back, what if I am a really good cook, but I won't admit it. Who's in your imagination? Exactly. Who's in mine? Who's real? <laughs> who's not? <laughs> so normally we would start our podcast with uh, uh, what we call in the Warrens with Nate and Bob or deep in the Warrens with Nate and Bob. Right. Um, we don't have any questions today, but we do have shout outs. Cool. We have shout outs for our patrons. These are people that have deemed us worthy to support us with their finances. And we bow to you. Uh, so we just I just want to give some quick shout outs. Ryan Brown, thank you for your support. Christopher Wong, thank you for your support. Lucas Green, Sebastian Sebastian Lindbergh, I apologize for (laughs) stumbling over my face. William West and Will Crosswhite, our newest patrons, thank you very much for your support. And we seem to be generating some slow interest in our online Vampire the Masquerade role-playing game. We are, it's building, it's building. 
we have set up a Discord for Utility Muffin Labs, and I don't know if you'll get the chance to hear this before uh, we have it, but tonight uh, we're going to be doing a meetup, or at least I'll be doing a meetup from 9 to 11, um, just so I can chat with some people that listen to the podcast. I should be in and out. It's really based on what I'm doing. Uh, my other project, we have, we're one man down, so that means the whole show is all me. So, so I will be uh, posting a link to our Discord, Utility Muffin Labs, on Twitter, on Facebook. I've already posted a couple of them. So if you listen, you want to join in the conversation, I'm on there as often as time allows. Uh, but tonight I'll be on there for sure from 9 p.m. to 11 p.m. Central Time to talk about the podcast and whatever you want. Chit chat. So let's not waste time. Let's get right into Berlin by night. Of course. So I was told, uh, because I had not read this book previously, that this would be a real treat. Now, in a way it was. I've noticed that uh, some of the people that listen to us, they have a way with sarcasm. Quite a bit. They have a, they, they like to joke. <laughs> they like to play games. And, we do too. Uh, that's okay. So initial thoughts, Berlin by night, before we start the review. Initial thoughts of Berlin by Night is, is if you're someone who is looking, I think it's really great historically. I think they do a good job putting together a sequence of events that Kindred jumped in world war based, right? Because mm -hmm. when you hear Berlin, you naturally think of the wall going up, you know, World War II, World War I, right. uh, the Prussian War. All these things are in the book. You will get all that and get where they're at. And for the most part, I would say the first build story of Berlin, beautiful. Yeah. I think it's great. Yeah, I think where this book starts out, the actual meat and potatoes of this book, I think it's it's great. It does a great job to describe to you this city and where it is and how it got there historically as of 1993 when this right. book came out. That's one thing that you do have to be aware of, especially with these older books. When when we're reading these city books, you know, the history goes up to where we're at in the timeline of when it was released. Right. So this is just after the fall of the Berlin Wall. Uh, I think that came down in 89, if my memory serves correctly. And so we're at 92, 93. So uh, it, it, we, we join into this book at a point where there are two princes that have been warring back and forth. And it's a sire versus his chilled. No. His prize chilled. That is... The the overall first two thirds or three quarters of the book, decent enough. There's some silly things in there that I was like, ah, that must be what they're talking about. It's a little goofy. And a little... Right, just just look past it. Yeah. So then we come to the story at the end of this book, and I know we're kind of we're we're deviating a little from our normal normal process, right, but that's the setup. And I think what we're right. saying is when it deviates. That is called jump the shark, right? There and and we should get into the good part, right? And then laugh at the jump the shark yeah. part. Yeah. So uh, where we start out, we start out like we do in any normal city book. It tells you about the themes of the book. It tells you things you should read. And the theme of Berlin by Night is the unknown, right? It's it's fear of the unknown, right? That the city's at an all time high because at this point nobody knows who's going to be in charge, who's going to be prince. Mm -hmm. You have the longtime running goose, Prince Gustav, who with an iron grip, this Ventru overlord has literally demonized himself and dominated Berlin as a supreme ruler, as you would imagine he would. Now, as you reread this earlier, you said something, and I want to see if you can recapture that magic. Can you tell us about Gustav and Schrecht 
and yeah. and and their interaction in the Torridor, because that's going to get us right through the history of of Berlin. Right, and I got I got excited about it, right? right. Because uh, Berlin, basically, I forget the guy's name who founded it. It wasn't called Berlin originally. It was like uh, Marxland, Marxland, I believe. Uh, he comes up and kills some great bear, and that's the founding of Berlin. He decides to build like a house there, something, some good story like that. But why I don't ve- deem that important? Because that's how they did it. He gets less than six lines as the founder of Berlin, but they're just establishing a base, right? Saying the land was the land and this dude did something and he's decided he's going to build a home here and it grows from there. What's important is the vampire who's on his land. This vampire comes around and he starts off feeding on whatever he likes, just willy nilly. And out of nowhere, this vampire hunter jumps up, kills him and abandons all his ties, his holdings and only takes his weapons and equipment and leaves. And that vampire's name is Carl Schreck. Keep that in, keep that in mind. Mm-hmm. And real quick, here's another cool thing that they do for all those people that don't speak the remotest amount of German. Pretty right. much everything in here they give you pronounce pronunciations for. <laughs> so the the prince's name is Gustav Breidenstein. Gustav. Gustav. Gustav Breidenstein. Okay. So Gustav isn't here yet. Who is here at this point in the story is another vampire comes to this area. And now Berlin's grown a bit, some larger hamlet, bigger city. People kind of like what's going on because, right, vampires are gone. Looks okay. <laughs> and then out of nowhere, this wild woman comes in who's fleeing a territory where she, and this is before the Inquisition, she just broke the masquerade just to make it make sense and had, and frenzied, hunger frenzied. And then arrives here and goes, this seems like a good place. I will now do it differently than what I did before. I have misstepped. And puts in her own version of the masquerade before the masquerade set. And then she's ironclad and holding down this domain, doing a great job. Her one mistake, Gustav Breidenstein. <laughs> she has a chilled, it's him. And then they just jump. Right. They're like, she has a chilled. And then the Inquisition hits. And during the Inquisition, Gustav Breidenstein eats her. <laughs> right. Literally diabolizer. Doesn't explain how, doesn't explain why. And, and here, here's the other important part. And uh, I know you, we, we just kind of jumped over it real quick. The hunter comes in and kills the mm-hmm. guy. So uh, the humans were led by Albrecht the bear, right? That's and, the name. Yes. Yep. And then um, after that, uh, the vampire we were talking about, that's Eric Egerman. Okay. Why he's important is because of the guy that kills him, who is Carl Schrecht. Right. Carl Schrecht is a self-proclaimed demon hunter, right? Just, this is, this just decided like, demon hunter, by right, the way. Right, Just I fucking hunt demons. That's what I do. You're sitting in a hamlet with the bear, and you look at him and tell him, I will be your demon hunter. Right. Me. Why? So, so why? No one knows. Why? Why is that important? Why is Carl Schreck? Carl Schreck's important because, we'll, and, and we'll distinctly get to that. I will mm-hmm. roll that out in time. Mm-hmm. So, right now, Gustav's in charge, right. and he decides it's time for the Ironclad movement. Yeah, we're gonna we're to run this on the rails. We're doing to do mm-hmm. right, and he just jumped time right because this guy rules for six centuries as an Ironclad monster warlord. Right, right. So bad. That if you went into his in his area and you did not obey the accounting, you know, basically or the acknowledgement, excuse me, and you don't go forward to see him, his men find you, they stake you, they let you watch the night and then greet the sun in the morning. Yeah. You're just dead. Yeah. Just hey, kills you. I just got into town. Boy, are my legs tired. Uh, I'm going to find an inn. We'll sleep the night. And then in the morning, uh, in the in the evening, the next night, I'll present myself to the prince. Right. Tough shit. You're, you're dead. The you moment- should have came directly. And you, presented yourself. You send a letter to Gustav, 
Gustav shall meet you when you arrive, and if you don't, you will die. It's simple. <laughs> and Gustav will not budge on this. So along comes this Chamir dignitary, and the way to describe it, they're like, they're, they're Vienna's close. They're coming by to see an ally. It should be the venture, right? right. Their clan's supposed to be hand in hand. Right. And you're walking around, and you're seeing the city, and you're like, hmm, I have that meeting with the prince. I did send him a letter, letting him know I was coming. Oh, I better get there. Oh, what a wonderful city Berlin is. I stopped to see some of the works of art and an Elysium and an elder or two, nodding my head to the Primogen, and I went to my meeting. I was five minutes late. <laughs> in the room, Gustav stakes him and fries his ass in the sun. <laughs> Fuck you. Five minutes is, is your eternity is gone. So, you dare insult me? Karl Schrecht, now the Justicar yeah, yeah. of Clan Tremere. Was a demon hunter. Justicar. No, he's the Justicar. And we did the previous podcast, you should be caught up. You don't fuck with a Justicar. That it's just not done. Right. And Vienna is Vienna. And here comes Carl Schreck. He comes in with his archons and tells Gustav, guess what? In my letter, it told you, never again. You don't do this. You don't ever do this. Because if you continue to do this, I'm a Justicar. Mm -hmm. Gustav's response, archons go missing. The Shamir receive the stake that staked Carl Schrecht because it's still in Carl Schrecht. Right. And they send it right back to Vienna. And in his mind, it, it does the rationale where he says, well, they were simply testing me. Right. To see if I had the power to enforce my might in my demands. They slap an apology letter on his chest and jam a stake through it into his heart and, and send his ass back to Vienna. He fucking shipped him is what it is. He came here with some statement and he got shipped. Done and done. See you later. Peace out. And he's thinking, now we're cool. The camera realizes that I joined them as the prince and I have right. the might to do what has to be done. Okay, now he's cool. And the Shamir said, Vienna specifically, welcome to a plague. <laughs> they literally go back to Berlin and just hit it with a plague. Magic, right? Probably a bad idea. Yeah, that's going to be a running theme in this book, by the way. And they hit it with magic, hit it with a plague. And, and this damn prince, Gustav's like, hmm, doesn't affect kindred. But it is killing our food supply. All our vessels, our vessels are drying up. All right. Well, we'll just have to get harder. <laughs> we'll just have to dig deep. Like the iron of the Kremlin. Like, right. like just very, very, just, oh, you know, just that's what they do. And you're like, what? This guy doesn't get it. He no. just completely doesn't get it. No. So going forward, the Torador around, mm -hmm. and Gustav apparently likes to paint, yep. oil painting specifically. He's been going at it for years, and he decides finally to let the Torador in mainstream to see some of his works of art. And these three Torador rip him the fuck apart. They're like, this, this isn't art. Right. You're uh, shit. You're, you're trying to do techniques. You're combining old world. With, you're mimicking. Where's your creativity? Where's what you... And so... He kills them. <laughs> he like just do. kills them. <laughs> and and what's worse is that uh like there's there's they the infer. Well, he didn't you know, infer. They he they die. And Francis just sending letter after letter. Right, it's a Tordor city of power, and they're they're trying to get Gustav to what what happened, what's going on. And Gustav sends him a letter that says, "Hey, guess what? This is your fault." You came here, you don't know art, so I killed your Torador, basically, right. and I painted their art on their bodies, to, you know, because they didn't know what was what. So it brutalizes them, 
clearly uses oil paint from their blood, by the way, paints it on someone and just destroyed it. And he admits it. He admits it in Leonard is like, fuck you, fuck off. Right. I'm the prince. This is my domain. I do whatever the fuck I want. You wouldn't know art unless I told it to you. So it's a Ventrue who doesn't fit in with the Torador. We, we get this, mm-hmm. right? Normally you don't hear that. Not Gustav. And then the Torador like, okay, all right. Well, he's not going to respond, really. Not going to see reason. He doesn't even read half the letters they no. send anyway. Doesn't even break the seal. So in the Torador like, cool. Um, Napoleon. <laughs> That's what they did. They like convinced Napoleon. Who knows how they convinced him? Seduced him, sexual, whatever. Or just said, when he's out there like, I'm Napoleon. Napoleon, I'm going in. Right. That seems like a really great place to go conquer. Let's go get it. And all the Torador clan was backing them. It became a theme that the Torador were backing them. And when he went in there, they're stomping all along Berlin for the years they haven't controlled. And the whole time, Gustav's like, calm down, calm down. You can just, just relax. And they're like, no, we're taking all your art. We're taking all the art you did have from the mortals who were inspired to make greatness, who did hear the muse. Mm-hmm. You're nothing and nobody. And, and Napoleon's being Napoleon. And eventually, Gustav's like, fine, come here. Watch what I do for you. Three of my most loyal men, my own children, right here, ashes him. <laughs> he just kills him on public display, and he tells them, are you happy now? And Tordor can come and go as they please. Art is restored. If you haven't figured it out by now, this prince, Gustav, is a petulant fucking child. Just child, right? And if he kills him and they go away, he tells his closest advisors... They have no idea to the depth of revenge he's devising. Now he's planning revenge, where before he was just maybe revenge. Now he's planning revenge. Mm -hmm. And so we establish a baseline. And part of his revenge plan, the Prussians. Right. Reunify the Germanic states. He gets Prussia, and he he just makes him a well-oiled machine. Says it's his vote that helped reunite them and make them the army they were. And he just tries to conquer everything. Right. Except Vienna. That's his first target. He didn't forget the Tremere. Mm-hmm. He just went right at Vienna and they couldn't take it. And he was like, all right, all right, we're just going to calm down a tad. Maybe, maybe too far. <laughs> maybe I'm too far influencing what's going on. I don't know. We're cool. And then he does some other accolades, right? Like to, to fast forward, you get the idea. It's it's tete a tete, right? He's just literally a oh. prince playing pool with the clans. He's a fucking megalomaniac. And pardon my French, but I feel like. In this particular podcast, the word fuck is really the only thing that emphasizes how out of his mind with <laughs> with power and paranoia this prince is. Power. I mean, this dude, I mean, it's, it's like minor right. to even say what you're saying because right. he goes so far as to he creates a chilled who's diplomatic than he is, kind of sees how it goes, and he makes a prince, a proper prince that people will feel they can approach that is more lenient than he will be. So he can focus on his revenge. So he makes basically a seneschal for all intents and purposes and throws him up there. And this chill later on becomes a big problem. You can see it a mile off, right? It's the same thing as Sire did. Mm-hmm. His Sire was an ironclad witch mm-hmm. holding it down, made Gustav. Gustav waited and planned. Ate her. Right. You can kind of see how this is trying to repeat, right? And so he makes this chill naturally. His chill has plans of his own. And all these wars hit, right? Out of nowhere. Berlin's just getting just getting world gangbanged by wars. Right. You know what I mean? And all sorts of stuff happened in there. Right. Like and, highlights. Right. And, and, well, they, and they emphasize that these are all, in some way, shape, or form, his influence is at hand here. Right. They you know, they talk about World War One and he's giddy with glee, but doesn't anticipate 
the fact that Germany would suffer the losses it suffered, that Germany would end up having to basically pay back all, all of these reparations. And as far as he's the concerned, they've done as far as he's concerned, didn't affect him. Right. And then uh, who was it? He he offers the embrace to Bismarck. Right. <laughs> right. And Bismarck says, that's horrible. No, I want nothing to do with that. And so he's so pissed off, he dominates Bismarck to forget he even offered him the embrace and then dedicates all of his attention to ruining him politically. Right. And Wilhelm lets all the Ventru, Torter, and Shamir in the area, known enemies of his sire, publicly and basically brought it to their attention. Mm -hmm. Because Bismarck was like the guy. He was the right. guy at that point, reunifying peace, bringing him back into an era of prosperity. And then out of nowhere, this prince just ruins him. Right. And so uh, Gustav finds himself <laughs> no longer in favor. And if I remember correctly, actually loses at that at that point, he becomes essentially a puppet prince. Right. Because he has no more power because he's lost it all in this this gambit that became World War One. Yep. And he sits back and again, he plots his vengeance. I'm, I'm going to take my power back. It's Just embittered. And he finds less than 30 years later the nazis and what a horrible wedding in hell that was right yeah absolutely i mean he goes so far as to be like oh here's himmler hell of a guy mm -hmm. great guy right I, you know ss time mm -hmm. we're just gonna get that guy in and i'm gonna blood bind him to me and boy is it gonna be a fun time it's yep. happening and I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to have them sneak around mm -hmm. and they're going to bring all these important guys to me and I'm so I can blood by them. And I'm going to do all this stuff. I'm going to control this new world regime. It's mine. I got it. Except Himmler is so evil, the blood bond has no effect on him. Yep. And I want you to know, it's a testament to the evil of that man that White Wolf would put in there. He's not boundable because he has no soul. <laughs> that's what it told me it's never stated but it's often implied i'm just saying that's how i see it i see himmler taking his blood he looks at it sniffs it hmm yeah you will be immortal and himmler's like and so i shall and he drinks it feels different it's blood mm -hmm. it's yummy stick around herr gustav and then yeah. goes about his business yeah with the ss mind you right and they talk about how he uh tries his hardest to influence Adolf Hitler and <laughs> right. he works against uh the domination that that he uh uses on Hitler and there's just basically this eruption of the third reich in Germany is too much for any of the kindred in power to control or to guide right because it, it becomes its own force of nature because nazi right we know the nazis they're right. horrible it was terrible it was a tragedy and white wolf does a very good job of going you know what we're not about that right we're not trying to rehash this here you know what it is but know the kindred involved who got goose stepped on right by this regime you can't get in the way of mortals is the is the underlying statement here right and they hammer it home when you get in the way of where your food is going your food is just too right. much to ring in try as you might there are some evils in this world that don't need the influence of the supernatural right they're just getting, they for instance, do it on their own. How evil you ask? I'm glad you asked, Nate. <laughs> Operation Werewolf. Yeah. Not what you think it is, folks. No. The Nazis get wind that vampires can be real. Folks even talk about werewolves. Yeah, and Fae. And even the Fae. And Himmler has the SS round them up, find specimens, and they begin doing experiments on them. 
but nothing lasts, right? Right. It's like they have positive results, but it's like a guy will have the rage of a werewolf and try to mangle and rip someone apart with their bare hands, you can imagine, but it doesn't stick. Right. You know, Fey Blood might give him insight, someone the ability to think they can, you know, telepathy or what have you. You can look up historically how actually something not far off from that mark, they did try several. There was a whole occult thing uh, with the Nazis as well. But the most exciting thing that I like is that they found vampires and they kept them. And they were in, they were taking the blood, drinking the blood, enhancing themselves, and worse. And then there was a process they tried, a very rigorous one, where, funny to me, people mutated, mm-hmm. and it was permanent. Right. And it leaves you, the storyteller, to imagine what those what that would have been. Right. And what I like about it is there's a lot of ground to play there. That's a very fertile environment because in the end, people tried destroying the operation. The Nazis did. They tried just wiping it out. Yeah. But why would they do that? To me, it was because they created something so unholy, something so far off the mark yeah, that they, they had to. And that's distinctly possible. But uh, we know how history plays out in that sense. And uh, Oh, I'm sorry. And why I mentioned that is because there's stuff like uh, the Valkenberg Project. Those are supplements they released yeah. in Werewolf. And a couple other things. Wraith, the Oblivion, has a book where they talk about the possibility of the ghost of Hitler in it. Right. Right? So, I mean, there's a lot of stuff that this book ties into. And I love White Wolf that they did that that this supplement will tie into a future supplement. I only mention them like I always do because I'm going off memory and I'm almost positive those are the two books that are in there, but it's good stuff. Yeah, I mean, you, you can do some investigating, uh, but, uh, you know, pardon us if we're a little off the mark, but that's, right. that's, what, that's what memory tells us. I'm just telling you, stay with it. So they're, we, they're we, know, we know that World War II ends. The Third Reich falls <laughs> and the Allies storm Berlin. And Berlin is split in two. In fact, Germany is split into two countries. You have East Berlin and you have West Berlin. And you have two princes. You have Wilhelm or Wilhelm and you have Gustav. Gustav slinks back into the darkness after losing what he was sure was a winning bet. And he sides with the Eastern Bloc Bruja. Insofar as the Eastern Bloc Bloc Bruja are like, yeah, we're going to need you. To puppet. But Nate, why do they need Gustav? Like, why do they even get him? Well, um, th- well, they get they get him because they need they need a figurehead. They need. Oh, I know they do. Mm-hmm. But what did Gustav but, but, do? But h- how did they get him? Yeah, yeah. So you know, uh, I'm Gustav, and I I have no time for this nonsense. A wall goes up. So I I am. Well, this is before the wall. This is just when there's a you know a fence and a barrier and guards on either side, a demilitarized zone, and this prince. In all his glory and power, I'm not going to be bound by any line. I will walk across it. And do you know what he got for his troubles? Do tell. A whole bunch of bullets. Well, over 100 rounds slams into this Ventru idiot as he tries to cross the demarcation zone. And they lay waste to him. light him up, boy. And uh, he's only saved because one of the Bruja, one of the Eastern Bloc Bruja, are like, wait, whoa, whoa, whoa. Hold up. Hold up. He's dead. I'll take care of it. That's all good. Let me drag this body away. He was a dum-dum. We'll bury him. Don't worry. So they drag his dumb ass away, and they proceed to a blood bond him. They give him a three-way blood bond. Why wouldn't you? Right, because you're opportunistic Eastern Bloc Bruja. We know you're powerful right. and clearly uncontrollable. We bring you to heal. Welcome to the to your rest of your life. Right. So he gets to sit as a figurehead, and well, gosh darn it, damn it, I'm not going to have my authority 
questioned and these Nasratu coming and going and and taking things from me and gathering information. Let's build a wall. Just so <laughs> we build a wall. It just dawned on me. He's the Donald Trump of White Wolf, dude. It's not even a joke. That's that's like a DT move, right? So, but here's the King thing, Cheeto. Here's the thing. His adversary, the much more likable, much more moderate uh, Wilhelm, Obama, he says, you know what? You want to build a wall? Fine. We're going to make it a magic wall. That sounds and, like Obama, and, too. And with a flourish, he waves his <laughs> hand, and the Tremere make it a magic wall. Right. He tells the Tremere, not a hard sell, by the right. way. Hey, the guy who screwed you over building a wall, I want to make it to where nobody passes it no matter what, or make it really hard. And Tremere went, yeah, oh, sure. all right. And? I, I could do that for you. Time time passes, and these men have a cold war. Right. And the very people that the two of them wanted to keep out, keep in their separate locations, end up being the only people that really ever get across between locations. Exactly. And that's the Nosferatu. And it is a great time for the Nosferatu. Because it's just... Right. It just deal with both of these princes. Favors and, and influence. Favors and influence. Right. Raking them in. And, and Wilhelm, you know, uh, for his part, he is on the democratic side of the wall. He's the the prince of West Berlin. And West Berlin grows and it flourishes. Prospers like over right. 1,000 conventions right. at that point that they have per year. Right. They, they, it grows and it prospers. The Eastern Bloc, not so much. The <laughs> East Berlin, half of Berlin, well, if you know anything about history, not a really great time from 1961 to 1990. Not the greatest of times to be in East Berlin. Uh, and it's no different in this game. And Wilhelm, uh, or I'm sorry, uh, Gustav and his oppressive uh, behavior, he fits right in. Like, you know, Gulag, no problem. I right. got it. And then, again, we come to the point where you just can't stop progress. Anarchs come in into Wilhelm's territory. Mm -hmm. Like, they're progressive, and they understand and respect begrudgingly Wilhelm's rule. But Wilhelm makes it very clear. I'm the prince here. You're permitted, but behave. Right. And they're like, cool, man, we're here. And that's and that's where the tension starts building, because you're the Camarilla looking. When Gustav was in charge, no Anarchs. Right. Nobody fucked around. Right. But he was crazy town. Right. You know, It was oppressive. He, no one had the, the right to embrace except for Gustav. And, and where did Gustav mess up? He staked a Justicar. That's really what stops, in my opinion, Camarilla from going, it's you, man. Right. That he fucked up. Right. Wilhelm, open, diplomatic, great, likable guy. Unfortunately, he's a likable guy. And I feel that they're looking at him going, does he have what it takes to stop threats that right. rise up? And, and now we're at the point where the Berlin Wall comes down. Uh, the kind, the mortal population changes in the political scenery, it begins to crumble. And along with it, that magical barrier that keeps people out, Can't that stay begins up. to crumble too. And now we're at the point where we have a city divided in half. And it's no longer divided in half by a physical wall. Uh, Berlin's been united. It's now one Germany. But those old borders that separated those two princes, those still stay. And right. it's a city in it with a climate of... Anytime, any place, you could make a wrong step and make an enemy out of either faction on either side of the gate. For sure. And uh, these two princes fight against each other for control. And meanwhile, you have the Camarilla, the officials of the Camarilla, watching this and observing it. And they're seeing this crime rate rise. 
and they're seeing problem after problem come out of Berlin. And they're at the point where they've insinuated, if this doesn't come to a head, if we don't have solidarity, we'll come in and we'll remove both of you. Right. And we'll put our own prince in. That's the climate of the city. And with the with the prospect that the Camarilla may be backing another horse. Right. Absolutely. Which, which could be any of your player characters that you choose to have in Berlin that can establish right. maintaining traditions plus, you know, the unique balance of diplomat diplomacy right and that that uh that kind of finishes up that chapter and by and the way officially we're writing the crazy mm -hmm. train right now right as we get into this we're about to go into the characters right. uh we're, we're really we're first, really the story first right. first we're going to get into geography and we don't need to spend a lot of time on this because you can read it yourself you right can, just, you, can, you can look up online and find out about the geography but what it does again is it gives us awesome pronunciations because none of us speak German. None of us. Well, neither of us. I'm sorry. Not none of us. I'm sure there's plenty of you that are listening that speak German. Nah, you don't speak German either. We, we don't. We, <laughs> <laughs> officially, uh, Utility Muffin Labs has no one who speaks anything but English at this time. Yeah, we, we are uh, unilingual. Okay, so we're just going to go from there. <laughs> <laughs> I have to laugh that through because I know me and you and that, that may be five minutes of where'd we go. So <laughs> we'll just stick to it. So uh, it goes through East Berlin districts, West Berlin districts, gives you a great pronunciation. Gives by the you way, maps. to add that, it's beautiful how they do the layout. It's literally just section by section. If you're storytelling Berlin, you can go night to night, section to section. It's all mapped out. Beautiful maps in it. Even, even flavorful drawings of immersion. They keep and hold what you've read and heard about so far, even on this podcast, well together. Mm -hmm. and then we finally this is actually a pretty long chapter but then we finally get to the kindred and um this is where we we meet some people that um couple of people of note first we have the bruja and and you know the bruja the bruja i'm right. not going to say one way or the other but Ooh, but i don't want to miss this part oh please we get to meet dieter kotler and who is he and who cares? Well, he's developed his own discipline. He's developed an especially effective combat technique. World when, famous. When in hand-to-hand -hand combat, his body will flush all over, and any attacks he makes cause aggravated wounds. So we get to meet the guy that developed Burning Wrath. Bum, bum, bum. And he's a Nazi. So you think long and hard on that, you bruja. That's right. Uh, <laughs> we, get past the, we get past the bruja. White flower. And, uh, yeah, right. And we get to the caitiff. Uh, there aren't any. Right. I love that. <laughs> I actually love that. Right. So here's a city where both have said, you know what? If you don't know where you're from, you're out of here. Right. You're thin-blooded. You can piss up a rope. Bye. Yeah. Bye. It, it literally says that anyone who's been foolish enough to admit that they're caitiff doesn't live long enough to realize how stupid that is. And they die. Also, Gangrel, there is but one in this book. <laughs> Uh, and he he is uh well he's he's feral and he's a bad motor scooter we'll just put it that way and let's put it this way don't forget the, the lupines were mentioned in this book right. too remember the get a fenris yeah they get a fenris when it gets bombed right. come in and take chunks of land mm -hmm. and make demands and and, it, and right. make it sound like the gangrel ran right in with them right and those gangrel Leave the forest alone those gangrel are all but gone save for the one and that's because this particular gangrel, well, his brother was a guru. Oh, okay. And 
he he knows he's an agent of the worm. I knew he, there was something. He, yes, yes. So uh, it, it's overt. Also, the cool thing, or bad thing, or whatever, however you want to look at it, the, the different thing about the characters in this book and the way that they're written is that they are written from the first person perspective. Which is actually cool. They're told by the characters themselves. Uh, then we go to the Malkavians and we get some more. Uh... <sighs> do you remember? Do you remember a book we did not too long ago? And they talked about um, Alistair Crowley. Yep. Yeah. So here's Doctor Jekyll and Mister Hyde. Mm-hmm. So this character Ozzy, his sire was Doctor Jekyll. Ozzy Hyde White, right? Yeah, Ozzy Hyde White. Uh, his sire was Doctor Jekyll, Mister Hyde. And then he diabolized them. So now he's Dr. Jekyll, Mr. Hyde, but also himself. So he's got three apparent personalities. He didn't actually kill his sires. He is his. He's his own grandpa. Yep. He is his own grandpa. That's how it goes. (laughs) Um, And then uh, we have uh, when I read this, I had to stop. I, I got to be honest. You saw me. Uh-huh. Nate, Nate, Nate and I were rehearsing, re, not rehearsing, but rehashing, like scanning over this book. And the character section, you always go over multiple times. We're looking right. for gems, interesting points. And this is the first book I've read for White Wolf that my mind went, I know the whole plot to the book. I even told Nate before I even grabbed it to read it, told him all about it, and then went, I think so. Well, what good thing we're reviewing it. Let's read it. And then I got to the character section, and I remember why I wasn't remembering characters out of here. Because I looked at two or three of them and literally shelved it. Right. Um, so this may be the most pointless character I've ever seen written into a book. Oh, are we talking about her? Yeah, Persia. Okay. The the beautiful statue. I can read you her background. She wrote it herself. It's excellent. I don't remember my sire. I don't remember my life before I became what I am now. Not that it matters. Someday I'll wake up from this nightmare and all of you will disappear. I will be happy again. Not that it really matters. That's her background. And now here's the deal. If you're a player and you're thinking, hey, guys, that's cruel. Mm-hmm. Someone put a lot of love and tender effort. No, they didn't. No. That's all they put. Like, she, they could have put how she got to that point. Right. And that's character insight as the role-playing notes. They could have done that. Uh-huh. They didn't. There is more description of her image than there is her background. And she has no influence. Uh, what do you need for role-playing hints? I don't get it. It's a pointless character. It's it a is. character somebody played and they shouldn't have. They should have been they should have been shamed. I got a feeling that this might have been play tested and maybe like they were at a convention play testing it with their with their friends and someone picked this character, right. made this character, and must have left. The character lives in a fantasy world and she thinks <laughs> that everyone around her is a part of her fantasy. She brings nothing to the fucking table. I'm sorry. Who knows? They can't all be A's though. Right. I mean, that's yeah. what that's yeah. what the it, rule is. They happens. can't all be A's. It happens. It happens. It's just we were shocked because everything so far has had decent background love or hate it but there was a reason right now then we move on to the embrace nazis uh the first one of those is apparently herman Goering. oh the whispers in the night um he's a malkavian and he's crazy and he thinks everyone's out to get him and he also believes that he's haunted by all of the people that died in world war ii humor this is white wolf going even in fictitious print we are Fucking you in the face, you evil <laughs> bastard. And I approve this character. <laughs> I would not want to be that guy. That's everyone, no matter the side, yeah. haunts him. Also, um, I'm going to skip the people that aren't famous, okay? Yeah, of course. Also, Rasputin. He's an Asferatu. 
Rasputin the Mad Monk, and he lives in Berlin. Just thought you guys should know. Fun fact, Sedites claim he's a Sedite. Mm-hmm. Well, here he is in print. Um, He'll be in print again. Yeah, yeah, he will. Um, let's see. Uh, Smordas Ratu, Smordas Ratu. They're, they're all cool, very cool characters. You know, good for your good for your tale, good for your story here in Berlin. Um, then we get to the Torador, and we know that tale. Um, and then we get to the Tremere. And um, what what is that? Who's that guy look like? Is Dan yeah, Aykroyd? Yeah. Dan Aykroyd? <laughs> yeah, it's like a, a young I Dan Aykroyd in this book. <laughs> <laughs> it's so true. Maxwell Lidescu, <laughs> the Magus, is a young Dan Aykroyd. <laughs> bam, 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 bam. Oh, and then we get to Heinrich Himmler. So you know Takes how we the... were we were punishing Nazis. Yes. Well, we're not anymore. <laughs> <laughs> right. So let me tell you folks about Heinrich Himmler, the head of the SS, the terror of the Nazi Party. Um. He was once a ghoul to a prince, but he was an unboundable ghoul. And then he got embraced Tremere. And now he's a Tremere, right? Right. Um, but he's unboundable, and he's a Tremere. So yep. he's a free agent to not give a fuck while using Tremere powers. Just doesn't care. Oh, also, he's a member of the Sabbat. Bum, bum, bum. In fact, he's the head of the Sabbat in Berlin. So we said, White Wolf went, you know what, Himmler? Not good enough. <laughs> An evil so unholy he can't be bloodbound. Check. Right. Wait a minute. Wait a minute. He's a Tremere. An evil clan of diabolistic titans? Mm-hmm. Yeah, okay. He could belong there. Check. Wait. What's worse than that? <laughs> How about one that's not bound to the inner council at all? Check. Right. How can we go deeper? There's no way you can go worse. He's actually a member of the Sabbat. Right. Right. But small caveat. What's going to happen when he participates in the Valdery? Well, he'll get the mark of the betrayer, right? And they're going to hunt him. Yeah, well, according to this, because of his lack of boundability or his unboundable nature. Can't be bound. uh, He's not affected by the mark of the betrayer. Dun, dun, dun. So he's a Tremere anti-tribute who don't give any fucks. He just plays the role. He gives no fucks. He does whatever he wants and cultivates his power for his own evil benefits and apparently does a fairly well job. Uh, as he would can mm-hmm. you think of any that th- there's no worse monster no to get immortality to continue on no no um so he's the last of the tremere we move on to the venture the venture of course being the the home of the prince uh what which prince he the prince what might i find inside of a venture elder's home in berlin nate what might you find in a home yes i don't know every manner of luxury but you know what venture worldwide want but they can't have but berlin does hmm lupine pelts <laughs> adorn all the walls right yes because they would had you believe that the loop that the lupines the get a fenris get curb stomped by the venture in just berlin beaten down just into a pulp driven out of everywhere mm-hmm. uh so um i mean these yeah. venture were a different breed yeah yep so east berlin gustav he, he's in control then we have wilhelm uh, oh, by the way, Gustav's gen. Oh, yeah, yeah. Let's get back to that. Was I mean, this explains a lot? It's fifth generation, fifth gen, folks. Right, fifth generation. I mean, that, that ex- honestly, for me, that explains a lot, right? Yeah, because you're at that level where that power has to mess with you somehow. Because I mean, you're just immensely potent. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. With six centuries under your belt, you probably don't 
think then, anybody can step to you. I, and it, even the way that they drew the pictures of these characters, like Gustav looks like an impish, just ugly old man. He lived hard life, gray hair, wrinkled face in his 30s, but looks apparent age was 30 when he was embraced. Looks more like he's in his 40s. Then we have Wilhelm, and he looks like, well, just a sporting fella. Attractive. Kind of cherub-like. Yep. Young-looking. Perhaps he could be a male model. And, uh, you know, also a powerhouse in his own right. Sixth generation. Has to be. Uh, then then we move on. There's more Ventru. Uh, you can get into that stuff later. They're not super important to the story at this point. Um, then we have the Sabbat. And we have a variety of different Sabbat members. You know, I feel we should get to what you and I have been trying to rifle through to get to. Mm-hmm. And I think we want to talk about. And you know what I'm talking about. Yeah, yeah. So we're going to let you read those characters on your own because we have somewhere we need to journey to. We need to be. Come with us. Uh, we're we're going to go. That was, that was the platform to board the crazy right. train. Before we get to there, here's a taste of how silly things are going to get. We have the Brothers Grimm. I don't know what they are. Are they trolls? Are they vampires? Are they Giovanni? Are they fey or mages? We don't know. We don't know, but they're the Brothers Grimm, by the way. That's here in Berlin. Well, let's not forget a fun fact. Carl Schreck, right? Mm-hmm. Diablo is a lupine. Yeah. Oh, we didn't get that far yet. Oh, my fault. Nick yeah, said, yeah, no, put your ears no, off. Yeah, no, that's no, no, my we fault. Didn't, we didn't get that far my yet. My fault. I that's, jumped. That's, uh, we get to the coteries. You can read all that stuff. Blah, blah, blah. People have relationships. Where we're, we're, we really want to go is we want to go... To the thing that you always find at the back of these books, you find a story. The last 30 pages or so, it's a story to get your players involved. And me and Native softened, right? We were like reading a couple of these going, you know what? If you're new and starting out, you're going to need a story to help get your flavor, get your chops in you mm-hmm. uh, to, to figure out how to run something. And that's a good idea. And then right. we get to this story. We, we do what we call the fade to black. The scene changes. No one knows what happened. The movie goes on as usual. But then we get to book two, The Ascension of Cain. Yep. This is where the car screeches off the, the cliff, the where the, breaks. We, the train has no bridge to go over. It's just going to try to do the jump. Right. We're, we're, we're spinning plates here. We're, we're juggling. So we get to tell a tale of Cain, of Sedites, of essentially... A whole other subsection of characters that aren't in the first portion of this book. Like, what happened? Like, it's literally titled book two because it's like its own separate book. Yeah. Literally. Like, Berlin was awesome. There it was. And don't forget. They say the Ascension of Cain is a story designed to strike terror and confusion into the kindred of your chronicle. And oh, is it going to be confusing? Also, it's going to strike terror and confusion into the storyteller telling the tale in your chronicle. Oh, yeah. Because... I'm going to be frank with you people. We love White Wolf. We love what they've done. It's enriched our lives throughout the years. But every once in a while, you get a story like this that makes absolutely, completely zero fucking sense from any perspective that you look at it. That is just overtly bad. It makes you cry stinky tears. That's that's what happens. Yeah. So it's a story about your players they go to berlin right or they're already there it doesn't matter whatever how you want to do it you're a storyteller right you go to berlin and upon reaching berlin uh kane shows up just shows up yeah i'm kane and i show up in berlin right and uh i i've summoned all of the vampires to me 
You, you, you folks. Why wouldn't I? Right. Because I'm Kane, and it's not your fault that you all suck. It's my fault because I made you. It's my curse to bear. I've let you all use it. So, of course, all the vampires, they, they, they answer his summons, and they meet up in this church. Because deep in their souls, you cannot tell Kane no. Right, you can't. And, you know, they, uh, they flat out tell you. When you describe Cain, you know, describe him in non-specific terms. Don't describe Cain, right. but he, let them know it's Cain. Right. By saying, Cain stands before you, mm-hmm. and he does this, and he does that. And his eyes are like fire and right. gems. You and, don't describe Cain. Right. You let them. And it's a storytelling technique. If someone so magnificent is there, you truly can't describe him to get that point across. Because people will pick it apart in opinion. And it will be something less because it's not what they would have done. Right. Oh, but in uh, describing it that but, way. But how did we how did we get summoned here? Huh. We got summoned here in our dreams. Right. Because it's it's the final nights, guys. I mean, let's be frank. Yep. He's going to come back and he's going to want to talk with you guys because. Is it the final away. nights? I thought Kane just showed up because he too likes strudel. Uh, yes, he did. <laughs> you know, that's why I say it's good strudel. <laughs> he wanted the honey vice. <laughs> <laughs> Don't you dare edit this out. I'm sincere. I can't even fathom why Berlin would have been the place. And I I feel like I know where (laughs) the twins from uh, the Matrix movies came from. Right. I agree with you wholeheartedly. Fucking ghouls. You gotta be his ghouls. They're his ghouls. They're uh, like snow white albinos. With <laughs> deep red eyes and they wear leather clothes. <laughs> they're, they're it's literally like, Matrix twins. Did did the did the guys uh, did the folks who wrote the Matrix did they the Wachowski re- brothers right the, the Wachowskis as we would call them now did they uh, did did they read this book and go man great idea <laughs> that's a fucking good idea great idea what would be better than one albino ghoul two, two. twins. <laughs> Trench coat so, ninjas love these guys. All right, so you're you're in this church, and all the vampires are there. The two princes and um, Kane is there, and he says, uh, uh, "All this shit is stupid. Uh, the masquerade's dumb, and uh, we're gonna we're gonna rule the night. So you're you're all either with me or against me, and you got seven nights to decide. Right? You got a week. Right? And uh, at this point, um, you may be thinking, you know, I've been playing that Bruja for about six weeks now. I got four levels of potence. I'm going to go fuck this guy up because clearly he's full of shit. This dude's not Kane. Yeah, um, but but he is. Yeah, so you go and you fight him. And you charge the mount. Yeah, yeah, and he 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 will end your day. Because it's a tank up there. Yeah. It's not do, a pitcher, do you, it's a do tank. You, do you have potence? Perhaps you've got three or four levels. Well, he's got ten. Easy. Do you do you have do you have uh, like five strength? Because you're just a beast, a billy b- badass. He's got ten Yeah, he's potence. got ten. Yeah, ten strength, ten potence. I mean... Also, he's got the wolf claws, and yeah, so wolf claws hell. He turns into a werewolf. I mean, he has it all. It essentially says if you decide to step up to old Kane, you can just assume you're going to meet final death. You're going to be candy, right? Player or otherwise. Uh, But he doesn't want to kill you. No, he doesn't want to. He wants you to join him. It's a pretty cool thing to do. Uh, But then he says, "Yeah, you got seven days. Peace out. I'm gonna go." I'm gonna go be Kane for a while. I'm gonna go Beefy. walk the earth. I got strudel eat. I got I got these badass albino ghouls are gonna follow me around. I'm sticking with strudel. So if you decide that you're going to join Kane at that time, his ghouls will give you a couple vials of blood. And it's Kane's blood. And it increase all your physical attributes by two. So pimping. Sweet. 
power up. Kane is awesome. Right. So then you get seven days and you get the politics and whatever. And then uh, eventually Kane calls everybody back and it's early and he says, hey, some other things was going to make a speech. And he makes a speech. And then he's like, and and it's Kane, right? He probably went, y'all gathered to hear me talk. And Mm -hmm. here's what I got to say. I like boom boxes. <laughs> boom boxes are awesome. My ghoul on the right's going to carry one boom box. It's going to play classical music because that's what I like. I don't care what y'all like. I'm Kane. And then the other one is going to hold purple drink. That's right, purple drink. <laughs> a big jug of purple drink that we're going to give the mortals because I feel that the children of Seth are left out and we should give back to the community. And purple but also, drink, also, fuck the community. I'm going to eat whoever I want. Exactly. But purple I'm, drink mm-hmm. is made from sugar water and purple <laughs> you can't mess it up you got to get that mix correct <laughs> and uh if you'd like to read his aura at this time to see if he's lying you'll go blind right can't mess around if you want to read kane's aura who would you think you was right who did you think you what like can't mess come around on, come on it's, man he's shining it's because his aura is as bright as the sun homie you blind. shine bright like a diamond like he's he's golden <laughs> right that's how it works right and also again we establish if you want to step up you're gonna get fucked up exactly Why? because you're fighting kane i don't know if you guys caught on to that yet but you're fighting <laughs> kane right so then kane's like yo speech is over peace i'm out warriors come out to play and he fucking leaves right <laughs> and so his ghouls go back and they fucking they leave and they go they go to the museum of egypt the egyptian museum you know where the sedites hang out right it's where you gotta go right it's the sedite it's their territory sedites made purple drink right it's egypt it's a it's a it's a museum for egypt that's Party where the sedites go right so you get to go down a tunnel and you follow and you get you end up in this underground museum part with the sedites um but then the mummy fucks you up mummy the mummy the mummy fucks you up the bane mummy the bane mummy yeah um and uh sateta i believe is that bane mummy so um and 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 that in and of itself is a little explanation like i read that and mm -hmm. i was trying to get it because because and it's bad that i gotta say it that way because it's it's believed was a vampire that got embraced by set and was such childer and she was all down with set he's cool but then learns that Set wants the utter destruction and annihilation of the world. She runs to the children of Osiris, tells them the plan, and then Set brings her back and changes her and makes her a Bane mummy. Now, for those of you who don't know, this book will outline for you. She gets to live several eternal cycles. It doesn't matter. She's a Bane mummy now. How did she go from being an immortal Methuselah to being a Bane mummy? Don't even think about it the concept's gonna melt your brain because you can't is what it is if established firmly you can't yeah like mummy is a supplement book that they have we have it we just haven't reviewed it because we're we're on vampires but i'm going to tell you that they outline pretty clear that you you can't be infected if a vampire tries to embrace a mummy you just die Mm -hmm. that's how it is i mean they say that in burnt yeah but no and here you can embrace animals and all kinds of other shit but what it's got to be is that sets pimp you're right, right. And what I think is wants. that if you're a Methuselah, uh-huh. like Setetta, and you come back, Set goes, drink the purple drink. <laughs> and when you drink it, you lose your immortality, you become a mummy. But you sort of still have immortality. Right. You do, but you don't. That purple right, drink right. will get you every time. Right. And Set goes, not good enough. Because it's me, I don't know how to make a good mummy. <laughs> you a Bane mummy. I can kind of make a mummy. You done now. Now your name is lost to history. You're now Seteta, which is a play on, what is it, Apophis. Mm-hmm. Basically, it means she's like the queen of demons of Egypt, is what she now becomes. Yeah. By the way, 
that's all in the museum. Yeah, that's in the museum. But also, um, then uh, you get you get your ass whooped, and then uh, you find out because, like in all good stories, the villain has to tell you the tale before she walks out of the room to contemplate how she's going to kill you. Um, and you find out that there's this Ravno, right? And this Ravno, <laughs> he he like tricked her, and he like he like jacked a bunch of her shit, hoodwinked her. He like stole her necklaces and her innocence, and boy was she mad. But she couldn't do shit about it until a couple hundred plus thousand years ago uh years later uh this dude was on a lusitania and it exploded and he went into torpor and she found him and then she made uh, a medallion that was magic and it like it like made you may think we're making fun of it we're trying to keep you awake it like it like made his power of shamer street to like way big like if way big huge like if he had been the ruling says Here's his stats, but when he has this medallion and activates it, mm-hmm. it jumps all his stats to tens. Everything's to tens. Tens all day. Oh, and also, um, when Shine he bright when he, like a diamond, wh- whatever whatever effect he uses, it it it's uh, it it affects everyone in a five mile radius. Everyone. Um. Yeah, I don't know if you guys are picking up on this, but like the last two books, like that, there's some ridiculous pieces of equipment. Some jump the shark stuff. Yeah, yeah. So that sword, that was like pretty badass, right? Like it does ag and it's because it broke our brain. It's like that sword was like, oh my god! But at least it was Tiamat, and the sword was super powerful, and a demon was involved, right? And the the entire could play with the whole book was about that demon. That's it. We went from awesome history about Berlin, warring princes, camera, a vampire, a vampire, a vampire to. Setites and Kane and Ravno, but, but Ravno, right? But a Ravno who don't know he's a Ravno, he legitimately thinks he's Kane, straight up Kane, and he wears this necklace, and this necklace makes his Shamaristry to level ten, where Magically. whatever whatever he uses that power to alter reality is actually reality. So in all reality, technically he kind of is Kane, right? Yeah. So to our great relief, yeah, I might add you because yeah. we were like, no. Yeah, but but even so, I mean, we're dealing with fourth and fifth generation vampires whose plan is I'm going to make a fake cane and that's going to help me to make the Camarillo and the Sabat fall. You know, we're not playing pool with the planets like the Antediluvians do, but we're definitely playing with continents. Right, right. right. Um, And then uh, I closed the book. We had to. Yeah. Oh, oh, I forgot. Also, um, uh, our our esteemed Justicar, he's in here, too. Yep. Um, and he he's a fifth generation Tremere Justicar, and but he was embraced sixth generation. And we know what you're saying, like everybody else in the book, he diabolized to get uh, that other generation. Hmm. Well, you see, what actually happened was he diabolized a werewolf. A what? And got the generation from a werewolf. Huh? He diabolized a werewolf. I need to get me one. No wonder the lupines hate vampires. They can diabolize them. Yeah, I mean that's amazing. We've really been screwing the pooch on that one. We've just been shooting them with silver. (laughs) Who knows if we could hold them down? Who knew they had generation we could gain by diabolizing? Just park a car in them and manja bone, right? So, anyways, that's the book. (laughs) That was book two. I like to think of it as Berlin by night quality. Book two. You need to drink some shit that should have been done only with your friends. Right, and you need not to drink. Put in print, because you can't. If you're the storyteller trying to run that story, um, 
if it were me, I'd have my shoes on. I'd have my jacket on. You know what I mean? I'd be sitting there like, nah, guys, I'm cool. Right. And I would let them know at the beginning, like, hey, we're going to take a break at a certain point, and uh, I'll be right back when it's done. Yeah, okay. Mm-hmm. Why? Because I'll oh, just stuff I got to do. Okay, run the story, run the story, run the story. In the moment Kane walks out, I'm just going to go, and Kane, drop the mic, and I leave. <laughs> and I don't come back. You know, they you can never text answer you, their phone calls. Don't answer their phone call to answer text. You just leave. You just vanish from reality. Because what game do you need at that point? Cancel your phone. Who's going to tell Kane, no, I'm not going to go on your crazy quest? No one. Right, right. What no is one. the decision that needs to be made? Like, they go through all this nonsense. Like, who's going to do that? Right. Like, it's even bad role play if you're like, fuck Kane. Yeah, I don't I don't give a shit about no Kane. He has 10 presents. What do you mean you don't give a shit? He, this guy could decide, we're all going to wait for the sun, and right. you're going to go, uh-huh. Well, to be fair, in, in the... In the actual stats, he he doesn't have ten presents, but he could if he wanted to, and then he would, right? Because of the, the medallion, <laughs> dude. All of the above, all of the above. Right. It's it's literally one of those things where it's like if you as a storyteller read that and went, "Oh man, my player is going to have an mm-hmm. in depth struggle to deal with these Methuselahs playing with them as pawns, and they're going to have a chance." So your players ain't overthrowing shit, dude. It is so plot hammery. It's not even funny. And I hate plot hammers. Like, you can't do that. You, yeah. you tell a story. A living, breathing world needs to live. I'm sorry. That's for another podcast. <laughs> I will say that this book, we'll just get to that. I think it's good to have, especially if you want that European feel for of sure. how the wars affected Europe. For sure. It's good for that. Book one, Berlin by Night, good. Some silliness, a little goofiness, but that's okay. But All cool. the books have it a little bit, and you can deal with that. Especially because I also like the book, and maybe not so secret, the Nazis are in it. Mm-hmm. I like that effect. I like what they did, and there's legacy and tons of seeded stories you can build from that. That's useful. That's true. At the end of the day, none of us actually like Nazis, but they make amazing villains. They're always villains. That's why most of your video games have Nazi villains. Right. Everyone can rally around those assholes. So for that particular 100 pages or so, you can buy the book. If you get the PDF, you probably just delete the last 30 pages or read it for a lark. But... Don't let it uh, color your perspective. We muffin scientists agree that that's an ingredient not needed for this particular muffin. No, no, definitely. That that was uh, what we'd call a, a pink frosting with Smarties on top, and and then um, salmon just, flavored. Right. You put you put some salmon on top of it, and you wanted broccoli in it, and uh, yeah, those things just they don't go together. They what, don't mix. What the hell were we thinking? Yeah. You you made your muffin out of couscous. Uh, you made your muffin out of couscous. <laughs> and while it may be muffin shaped, it's definitely not a muffin. Yeah, I think that's I think that's all it, that that was perfect. That sums that up. Oh, oh, White Wolf. We love you, but we boy, do. We well, do. I don't know what you were going on here. <laughs> yeah, the buck stops here. This this gets our vote for the craziest 30 pages in any book I've read. In any book that we've read to date. It just is insane. Yeah. So, what's coming next week? Yeah, let's check that out. Yeah, let's take a look at our list of releases. Next week, we get to read the Anarch Cookbook. Yeah. Not to be confused with the Anarchist Cookbook. That's a whole different thing. Yeah, and, and illegal. But it is based, I would say, probably off of that concept. The Anarch Cookbook. Absolutely. And then uh, after that, we get to read the Book of the Damned. So stay tuned. The Anarch cookbook is going to be great. The Anarchs, yeah. the Anarchs are are my favorite. The Anarchs are cool. Yeah, they're they're my faves. We I, already hit my faves, but well, I mean, 
They're they're in the list of favorites of the three. Yeah, they're. The, I mean, Sabat is obviously my favorite. <laughs> it's not but, even true. I like Anarchs actually more than the Sabat. It makes sense why you would. I love Sabat. I like the Sabat better, but I like the freedom of being an Anarch. I like the ability to not have to be an insane lunatic. Yeah, I don't. Necessarily, but still an asshole right. that is still likable. Right. If you invite me to a game, and your game is a Camarilla game, do not be surprised when I'm like, I play an Anarch, and the Anarch I'm going to play is Simon Phoenix from Demolition Man, <laughs> right? I think that works really good. He's too charismatic to just kill, and he's too dangerous not to chase. Come get me. <laughs> Come on. Oh, Also, tomorrow we're going to be on a podcast. I don't know when we'll release it, um, but we were invited by Dead Game Society to be on their podcast. Thank you very much. And uh, we're going to post that on our website in the coming days, yep. sometime soon. So... Uh, my schedule for the week is a little bit different than it normally is. So we're going to do things a little bit differently here, but anyways, be on the lookout for that. Be on the lookout for nerd words. If we do it, if we don't, we don't, but whatever, we'll probably do it. I don't know. These things happen. Um, we have some other things that we have going on, but again, tonight I will be on discord and most nights I'm on discord. So come and uh, click one of our links, check it out. Come and talk to us. Chat Believe it or us. not, I'm there. It'll always say I am. And uh, we'll uh, we'll answer your questions. We'll BS. We'll talk about games and characters, and very importantly, we will tell you about the game that we're working out for our patrons, so that they can online role play with a unique element. I want to yep. add that um, the unique element we talked about in previous podcasts. I'm going to kill more time with that. Yep. But I will say that it's just about done, and we're going to start getting people in. So if thinking about Patreon up, yeah, others have, and there's still room. Um, is there a cap? Not really. I guess as much as Discord can hold. Yeah. But I will tell you this much. You want to get in sooner than later because you don't want to miss out starting on an even level with everybody else. Yeah. Um, that uh, we, we still have a couple of weeks before we officially launch that. Um, we will have more specific information for our patrons. If you're interested, but you're not sure about investing 15 bucks, get on our Discord, our Utility Muffin Labs uh, Discord, and we'll talk to you about it. And if it sounds like something you'd be interested in, if it sounds like something you want to do, cool. Pony up your 15 and we'll introduce you to the club and we'll get you role playing. It's going to be quality. I think the people so far have been great. Our patrons, of course. Yeah. Uh, but other people, too, that we've talked about on uh, the Songs of Westeros server that I'm, that I'm active on, you're active on. I storytell over there and there are tons of people interested and they are blowing up Twitter just talking about it. And there's a lot of excitement building for it. And we definitely can deliver. So if you miss out, I apologize. That's on you. Also, if you have questions, you want them answered, but you don't want to jump into a general server, you can go to uh, your email <laughs> and you can send us an email to utilitymuffinlabs at gmail.com. You can hit us up on our website. There's ways to communicate with us there. You can follow us on Twitter. We are uh, at VTM25 or 25 Years of Vampire the Masquerade, if you just want to search Twitter. You can hit us up on Facebook at Utility Muffin Labs. Uh, so, yeah, we're, there's plenty of ways to get in touch with us. I, I have an Instagram. You can follow us there, Utility Muffin Labs on Instagram. I occasionally post pictures of things. We are hard at work with a T-shirt project. Stay tuned for that. We do have T-shirts available right now at Public. Just follow us on social media. All of these links can be found by digging one or two down, and you'll find them. Some of them are pinned. So please keep in touch with us. Uh, we love to hear from you guys. We love your questions. We love to answer them on our podcast. Always. We love to know what you think. 
both your positive and if you have a negative, awesome. The only thing we don't really care for is when uh, we're corrected on little unimportant pieces of history we may have gotten wrong. <laughs> well, um, it's not, it's not the, right, right, right. And I'm going to highlight this. It's only because we're entertainers. Right. Reviewing what we love. Right. And I got to hammer that home. Just place the love. We're reviewing these books. Yeah. And you're listening because you like them too and you like the reviews we got. If it irritates you that we didn't get the exact date and eye color of the Prince of Berlin, well, thank you for buying the book. I'm certain White Wolf and Obsidian and all, everyone right. else involved right. appreciates this. And thank you for being a patron to all right. of us. Did that negatively impact your enjoyment of our review? If it did, I mean, maybe, you know, if we were reviewing a book and we got a location, like if we were reviewing Berlin by night and we kept referring to it as like Austria, Right, <laughs> that would be like a pertinent thing to be like, "Hey, I noticed you guys kept calling it Austria when it's clearly in Germany." Uh, that would be pertinent. But other than that, uh, yeah, unless it really adds something to our review, like you don't need to correct us. Like we'll get things wrong occasionally because we're human, right? We're human, and our memories are unreliable. Not bots. And and uh, we've read all these books. Our editor hasn't been hired yet. Yeah, we don't. We don't have an intern. Um, we could get one. Whoever she is. May she be gothic. Or or he. I mean, it could be he, but, you know. I know me. <laughs> That's that. Thank you guys for listening. We definitely appreciate it. Tune in next week where we'll have another review. And it'll be great. It'll be of awesome. course, it's going to be fantastic. Thank you, folks. Yeah.